Welcome to the LYC Podcast. We are a youth community that believes in loving people and meeting them where they are. Our desire is that through this message, God's love for you is confirmed, your hope in Jesus is renewed, and your faith is awakened. Um, Got to take it where you can get it, guys. It's a cold world out there. But we're looking at Peter, and he's fishing for fish. And Jesus is like, hey, um, how's your fishing going? And Peter's like, it's not going good. We didn't catch much, which is an indication of his fishing ability. Not that great. Not like me. I catch fish all day. I'm a baller like that. Uh, I'll go fishing with any of you and teach you the ropes, or I guess the string. Um, but he's fishing. Jesus says, hey, cast out into the deep. Go one more time and just cast your net on the other side of the boat. And Peter's like, okay, if you say so, I'll do it. And he he does that, and he, he casts, and what's really juicy about this story, I'm not going to do it for time's sake. It's in Luke chapter 5, verse 1 through 11. We're not going to read it because that's not, we don't got time. But he says, cast out your nets, and Peter only casted out one net, which I think is really interesting. And then Peter, he, he casts his net, singular, and then a ton of fish get caught in the net, and he is freaking out. He's trying to pull the, the fish back into the boat, and he can't do it, so he calls over some other guys, and the other guys grab the net, and they're trying to pull it in, and their boats start sinking because of how many fish they just caught. And then he looks over in Peter and, and says, Matthew chapter 4, verse 19, if you want to put it up there for me, Brad, he looks over to Peter and says this really simple phrase, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. I will make you fishers of men. Men, and this is where we pick up on Peter's story with Jesus. You know, it's really interesting to me that Peter was called to be a fisher of men. There's something about fishing for fish that just kind of made sense for fishing for men, right? Like, it's like, uh, Matthew, you play basketball. All right, Matt, play basketball for play basketball, play basketball for the kingdom. Like, it doesn't really make a lot of sense in that way, right? But fishing for fish, fishing for men, there's something about where Peter was at in his life that that just clicked, God's like, hey, I know you're a fisherman, so I'm going to call you in a way that makes sense because you're a fisherman. The way where you're at, where your feet are placed, I'll call you that way. Let me put it like this for you. Jesus wants to call you exactly where you're at. There's something special about where you are currently at right now, not exactly where you're at. I think I'm glad you're here, but I'm talking about in your life. There's something special about it. Do you think your life is special? I do. Oh, Joel. Joel's like, no, not here. Okay, Joel. Jesus, pray for Joel. We just thank you for Joel. Heal his heart. He's special. A good special. Um, But think about it. Your life is unique. The way you function, the life that you're in, the family that you have, there is something about your situation, your family, your middle school, your high school, your job, your, your club, whatever you do that is special and unique that ties into your calling to follow Jesus. You want an example? Moses, right? Do we all know Moses? Moses, he, he led the Israelites out of Egypt. Goodbye, Pharaoh, walk like Egypt. They, they walked like an Egyptian out of Egypt. It was epic. That's exactly, check the scriptures. It's in there. It's not. But they, they got out of there and Moses was leading a nation of over a million people. And God knew he was going to do that. God called Moses to lead people out of it. He would be leading a nation. So what did God do? He's like, Moses, you're going to be leading a nation. So he, he had Moses, when he was a baby, adopted by Pharaoh, a king, a ruler, right? And he got raised up in a kingdom to learn how to rule and lead people before he even knew he was going to be leading people. 
There's something about the season you're in. When Jesus wants to uh, call somebody to do great things, he goes to the skate shop in Fort Mill and calls somebody. Am I right? Am I right? He goes to Publix, knocks down the bread aisle and says, hey, Olivia, I'm calling you to do something, right? Amen. He calls you exactly where you're at because you have authority where you stand, wherever your feet are placed can teach you, can grow you. Point number one, God wants to call you exactly where you are at. Mm. Now, here's the interesting thing. This is dicey. What happens if where I'm at is really, really bad and I'm not happy with it? Moses was in captivity as, well, the Israelites were in captivity. Moses just killed a guy. It's a different story, but read your Bibles, guys. It's a crazy story. I'm not going to tell you that God causes bad things to happen. He doesn't. That's just not the truth. But does God use bad things that happen to you for your good? Absolutely. Romans 8, 28. God uses the stuff you're working on. So mm, I don't, I don't want to go there. We're not, we're not going to go there. I don't got time to go there tonight. Jesus calls Peter, right? And he catch a great catch of fish. You know what's really interesting about Peter's situation? He was a fisherman, right? If you were to catch a ton of fish, don't you think you'd make a ton of money? Let's just do some math here, people. You're a fisherman. You ready? You're, you're fishing, right? You're... You caught the fish, right? You sell that fish for five bucks. Make some money. Sweet. Three-cent worm, five bucks. That's a lot of profit, my friends. Good job. Well done. Peter caught a catch that he's never caught before. It was so much that his boat was sinking. That's a lot of money, people. Think about it. What if I were telling you, anybody in here have a job? Anybody? Where'd you, where'd you work? Starbucks. Someone comes in and gives you a $10 billion tip and then says, hey, come follow me and leave that. Would you do that? If they were, gee, that's a good answer. That's a, that's a real, real spiritual answer. I would be like, get out of here, my dude. I'll take your tip and get out, right? You know, what's, what's the takeaway? Jesus isn't afraid to compete with your version of what a good life looks like. Peter, that's all the fish in the world. Man, he's set. That's a lot of fish. My boat is sinking. That's how many fish. But Jesus isn't afraid to compete with that because he knows his life with, your life with him is better than your life without him. Man, that's, that's good. I don't even know what I said. Uh, no, it's, it's the fact that, man, I literally don't even know what I said. You're going to have to hit the podcast on that one. Well, well, what Isaiah just said. Preacher Isaiah, it's just the Lord, you know, I don't even know. It's coming out of me and I don't even have notes on it. Let's go to Peter walking on the water. Anybody heard of that one? That one's one of my favorite stories too. Peter, uh, the storm is raging on. uh, Jesus is on the the shore. He told the disciples, hey, get on the boat. I'll meet up with you guys. And I'm sure they're wondering, how is he going to do that? And then they they set off and it says a storm arose, a mighty windstorm arose, and they are freaking out. Now it says it was in the fourth hour, the fourth watch of the night that this is taking place. And Jesus starts walking on the water over to them, just like, hey, here I come, guys. And it for me, because help me here, I'm a visual person. If it's a storm, the waves are like this. So is Jesus kind of walking like, <laughs> like you feel me? Because like we imagine it being like still like, like cement and he's just like cruising, but it's a storm. So either he's making like a pathway that's flat or he's just like hiking through the water. I don't, I don't know. It's just, it's just, my, it's just my mind. Um, okay, so verse 31, pull it up for me here. 
Peter is walking on the, oh, Peter's, uh, I'm sorry, Jesus is walking on the water to them. The disciples are freaking out. They even thought that's a ghost that's coming toward us because honestly, if you saw somebody walking in the water, I'd think it's a ghost too. It's pretty sketchy stuff. They're freaking out. Peter is like, oh my gosh, I think that's Jesus. Because Jesus is like, hey, it's me, guys. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. So Peter reaches out and does this crazy, stupid thing. It's stupid. I think it's stupid. He says, hey, Jesus, if that's you, command me to come on the water and I'll come out there. Have you ever put your foot in your mouth before? I would never say that. Hey, if that's you, God, let me risk my life for that. What? No, that's, like, that's not in my, my train of thought. But Jesus is like, yeah, it's me. So, hey, Peter, come on out here. Peter begins to walk on the water. Imagine the disciples like, oh, my gosh, he's doing it. It's like the Jurassic Park. Son of a gun, he did it. Like, he did it. And he's walking on the water. And then this moment occurs where Peter's eyes take off of Jesus. He starts looking at the waves. He starts looking at the wind rustling and moving, and, and he gets afraid. He's scared. And then guess what? He starts to sink. <laughs> and he starts freaking out. And he, he shouts, Lord, save me. And it says immediately, someone say immediately. immediately. Say it a little bit more fast. Immediately. immediately. Like you're saying it like I say immediately. 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 Thank you. Thank you. So immediately Jesus reaches out and grabs him pulls him back up, guides him back to the boat, and the storm is done. Pretty epic. I would love to do that. I mean, I'm not the only one who's been to a pool at a hotel and thought, all right, Lord, this is it. It's go time. And I never, it never works. It's like, for your glory. Like, not really. I just want to be cool. You know, it's really hard when Jesus called it little faith. Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt when he started sinking. By my standards, that's not very little. He's freaking walking on water. That's crazy. How could Jesus, in all of his love and kindness, say that that's little faith? You ever thought about that? The Bible says that faith the size of a mustard seed could move a mountain. Is this just small faith? Is it smaller? Like mustard seeds this side. You're a little smaller than that. Like, is it that? Or does... Or does this mean something different? I'm going to hint, hint, cough, cough. It means something different. Little in the original language doesn't mean little. It means brief. Short in length. Let's, let's make it simple. It's not that you didn't have enough faith. It's that your faith wasn't in the game long enough. It's not that you don't have enough faith for your situation. It's that you're not applying your faith continually. There's another story of this. Jesus is transfigured on the mountain, shines like a diamond in the sky. It's epic. He, he comes down from the mountain. The other, there's uh, three disciples with him, Peter, James, John. The other nine are struggling, probably because Judas is with him. Thomas is like, I doubt that we can do this, guys. It's just, it's bad. People who know the Bible love that joke. <laughs> They're freaking out. They can't cast the demon out of this kid. Like, God, we tried. The guys, the, the, the kids, dad is like, hey, your, your guys couldn't, couldn't do it. Are you going to step up and do it? Like my son's demon possessed. And, and he looks at his disciples and says, oh, you of little faith. Again, little faith. Is it the faith was little? A little fun fact. By this time, the disciples had casted out many demons. He commissioned them. He sent them out. They came back like, Jesus, you'll never guess what? We casted out demons. We healed the sick. It was epic. But they couldn't do it with this one. Why? Because their faith wasn't in the game long enough. 
And what's really interesting about that story too is that Jesus comes over and, and the disciples are like, hey, what's going on? Why didn't that work? And he's like, hey, this one comes out by prayer and fasting. A little sub note for your, your prayer life. It's not that you're not praying the right things. It's maybe you're not praying them long enough. God, I've just been praying for you to, to do this one thing in my life. And I prayed it once and I never prayed it again. Do it. Don't we do that? God, I so badly want it, but we don't pray it more than once, if that. And thinking is not praying, by the way. That's just thinking. <laughs> Brandon liked that one. Thinking's not praying. Oh, oh, oh this is going to ruffle some feathers. Talking about it to your friend isn't praying it either. Complaining is quite literally the opposite of praying. God, I am not married yet. Oh, like, that's not really praying. That's just you telling your situation to everyone. God, I pray that you'd send the right person. Prepare my heart. Get me ready. Jesus, I thank you. You're healing me of that sickness. Continue to pray. Continue to pray. It's not that your faith is small. It's just not long enough. You got to keep it in the game. Look to your neighbor and say, keep it in the game. Keep it in the game. Oh, boy. Let's, uh, let's take one step back here. Peter sinking, right? Peter's sinking. He's, he's, his faith is wavering. He believed and then he didn't believe. And you know, a lot of the times when I believe and then I have this period of like doubt or unbelief, I feel like Jesus pulls away. Or like maybe, maybe he's not for me like I thought he was. Have you ever felt that? Like God's ashamed of me because I'm having some doubts. Or I'm having a hard time believing him. But you know, it's the, the picture in, in the story of Peter walking in the water is the exact opposite. Jesus and Peter were never closer to each other than when Peter was doubting and sinking into the water. Because it says that Peter started doubting, Lord, save me. And what did he do? Immediately, he reached out, grabbed Peter, and lifted him back up. So if you're in a place of doubt or insecurity, that's okay. Don't stay there. I don't stay there. But it's okay. Jesus is close to you in your times of doubt. If you can't doubt your faith, then your faith's probably not worth following. Because if you doubt your faith and bring that doubt to God, he's willing to prove that doubt wrong. But if you're unwilling to go to him in that, maybe it's not worth following a God that you're not able to doubt. That's a whole nother message, guys. We're not going to go there. Point number three. Point number three. Two. Ah, point number two is keep your faith in the game. Forgive me, guys. Keep your faith in the game. We're tracking. All right. How many times did Peter deny Jesus? Anybody? Scholars? Shout it. Come on. Three. How many times did Judas deny Jesus? We only got one answer there. How many times did Peter deny Jesus? How many times did Judas deny Jesus? Why did one kill himself and the other go on to lead the church? The one who denied him more, three, went on to build the church. And the one who denied him once went on with guilt and actually took his own life. Isn't that interesting? So it's, it's an interesting thing to think about. Point number four, if you're taking notes. I, I already put point number three, didn't I, up there? I, what am I doing, guys? All right, Jesus, we just thank you for Matt's mind. It's not here, and I need it to be here because this is getting crazy. Amen. Amen? Amen. Amen. Good Lord. Point number three, if you will, you are not rejected. You are not rejected. We're going to circle back to three in a minute here. Skip to point number four now, people. We need to learn to fail well. We need to learn to fail well. We're going to get into that. 
Isaiah 61 verses one through four say this. Pull it up for me, Brad. Isaiah 60. Isaiah 61 verse one through four. Do you have Isaiah 61 verse one through four? Uh Uh-oh, moment of truth. Okay, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me, pay attention to this, to preach good tidings to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, the opening of the prison to those who are bound, point number two, uh, not, not point number two, verse number two, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord, the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, verse three, to console those who mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes, oil of joy for mourning, the garments of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they may be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that they may be glorified. Verse four, and they shall rebuild the old ruins. They shall raise up the former desolations. They shall repair the ruined cities, the desolations of many generations. Keep it on point. uh, Verse four for me. Stumbling all over my words tonight. We just read this. Who is it that restores the cities, uh, rebuilds the old ruins, and uh, the desolation of generations? Who is it? Does anybody notice? No, 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 no. We're going to skip over that now. Who was it that's going to rebuild the old ruins? We just read it. Should we read it again? Let's read it again. Go back to verse 1, Isaiah 61.1. Pay attention. I told you guys to pay attention. Nobody's paying attention. (laughs) Thanks, Caden. I, I, I see you paying attention. She's locked in. The spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, the opening of the prisons to those who are bound to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, verse three, to console those who mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes, oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they may be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that, they, that he may be glorified. And they shall rebuild the old ruins and they shall raise up the former desolations and they shall repair the ruined cities, the desolations of many generations. Who is they? Who is they? Come on, you got, we, we, should we read it a third time? Do we go, do we go again? Should I just answer it for you because you all are tired of this? It's the people who were broken. It's the brokenhearted people. It's the people who had mourning, but then Jesus gave them joy. It's the people who are brokenhearted that Jesus restored. It's the broken, damaged people that God uses to, to restore the city. So why do we need to learn to fail well? Because God uses us in our weakness. God doesn't call the qualified, good-looking person. He calls the unqualified. Case in point, look at my preaching tonight. It's not been great, but he called me anyways. I'm not qualified up here, but he's qualifying me as we're getting through the message. It's praise God. It's so good. He uses you in your weakness. Uh, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9 and 10 says this, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. In weakness, when you are weak, there is never a greater opportunity for God to be strong in your life. That's good. That's good. We're going to end it on that. We're going to keep going. All right. Peter's revelation of Jesus. This is a long one, so we're going to actually read the story here. Matthew chapter 16. Does anybody have a Bible in the room? Matthew chapter 16. We're rushing through it here. So Brandon has a Bible. We got one. Okay. Christina, two. All of our adults and a couple. Yep. Three. Beautiful. Matthew chapter 16, verse 13 through 19, if I'm remembering this correctly, 13 through 19. This is a very cool story. When Jesus came into the region of Caesarea and Philippi, remember that, Caesarea and Philippi. I'm giving you some 
some pointers off the front. He asked his disciples saying, who do men say that I, the son of man am? He asked his disciples. So they said, some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, others say Jeremiah or one of the prophets. He said to them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter, hey, we know that guy, answered and said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus answered and said to him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, good word, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven, verse 18, and I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. Verse 19, let's wrap it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Look to your neighbor and say, Caesarea and Philippi. Nobody knows what that's at, right? Caesarea and Philippi is a very small region in the uh, Middle East. Let's just make it real generic for you. The Middle East. Jesus, in the very first verse that we read, said that he took his disciples to Caesarea and Philippi, right? Now, you don't know about Caesarea and Philippi back 2,000 some years ago when Jesus walking with his disciples is that this area was known for worshiping a false god. This is going to be interesting. It's a little deep dive study here, people. This false god was called Pan. Look to your neighbor and say, Pot. Pan is the name, guys. Pan, not pot. What do you Pan. Now, that's a good joke. Thank you. Um, it's Pan, right? The goddess of Pan. Now, Pan is a pretty crazy girl. She's a crazy false god. Now, there's this mountain, right? Someone just mountain. It's a big old mountain. It's beautiful. And uh, the goddess of Pan required sacrifices from the people. Oh, what, what were the sacrifices? You might wonder. It's the firstborn child. You, you, you're catching it, you're catching it. Cain's, getting, Cain's reading between the lines. Yeah, so what they would do, the goddess of Pan required that they would throw the firstborn child off this giant cliff, and there's a giant opening, and if the blood ran out the base, then the sacrifice was good. But if it didn't, man, get the next born, firstborn child up there, because they just keep dropping them. The blood didn't run, okay, get another one. Hey, firstborn's in the room? It's like they all put their hands down. <laughs> I mean, it's crazy, right? And you know what's really crazy? This place was called the Gates of Hades. Pretty interesting. And Jesus walks up to them and is like, hey guys, who? they walk up to this mountain. They're looking at the, the floor is probably stained in blood. That's pretty gross, but let's think about it. Hey, who do you say that I am? Oh, okay, okay. And Peter's like, hey, you're Christ Messiah, son of the living God. And Jesus is like, yeah, you're right. And you're Peter. And on this rock, I will build my church. And the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. I think Jesus is too intentional for that to be a coincidence. You right? You feel me with that? You know what I love about Jesus? Is that he, man, he loves to just show off sometimes. Like I just, I just love that about him. So Peter recognizes Jesus as Christ. Christ means one anointed with power. Christ means one anointed with power. I love that when, Jesus, uh, when Peter saw Jesus as someone who was anointed in, as power, Jesus looked right back at Peter and said, and I see you as anointed with power too. Why? Because who Jesus is to you is who he wants to be through you. That's our next point here if you're taking notes. Point number five, uh, who Jesus is to you is who he wants to be through you. Do you want to advance the kingdom of God, the Lord's prayer? Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. Woo! How do we do that? Well, we catch a revelation of heaven. We experience heaven. And then we allow heaven to flow through us. 
Peter recognized Jesus as one who's anointed with power. So what did Jesus do through Peter? He, he used him in power. Peter prayed for a guy who was lame for his entire life and the dude stood up. Peter was the one who stood up when the day of Pentecost came and the Holy Spirit fell and there was 4,000 people who had never heard the good news of Jesus before and there's a bunch of people speaking in tongues and they're like, are these people drunk? And Peter's like, no, they're not drunk, guys. Let me tell you what's up. And he went up there and preached the gospel and the people's hearts were cut to the core and they gave their lives to Jesus in a moment like that. God used Peter with power because Peter had a revelation of Jesus being powerful. Okay, so who is Jesus to you? Who's Jesus to you? For me, right? I was sitting on a plane. It was like, I'll say three and a half years ago. This won't go off if I sit here, right? So I was sitting on the back of a plane because I got the cheap seats because I'm broke. And I was sitting in the very back of the plane and the plane's about to take off. There's probably 200 people in front of me in the plane. And I pop my headphones on. I cue the playlist and the first song is... Um, Pieces by Stephanie Gretzinger. If you know, then you know. That song will jack you up one way and down the other. It was so good. The song, I'm not going to try singing it, but I'll tell you the lyrics. It says, you don't give your love in pieces. That's the first line of it. Talking about God. You don't hide yourself to tease us. You don't give your love in pieces. And I'm sitting here on the back of the plane, just like ugly crying, guys. Thankfully, I was in the back of the plane. They're like, why is there water streaming from the back of the plane? Oh, Matt's crying. I was literally at the headphones on just like, <laughs> why am I emotional? Yes, but that's not it. I had this revelation. Man, Jesus gave himself fully to me. And I'm just, I'm a wreck. I'm just sitting in the back of the plane, just like, oh my gosh, you gave yourself fully to me. Nothing held back. And then my dumb self, I look up and see 200 people and God's like, I did it for them too. And I'm just like, oh my gosh, <laughs> you're so good. And I, and I just had this sweet moment about Jesus gives his love fully to us. And so that marked me. I, I, I couldn't recover. I was, I was forever marked by that. So what do I do? I try to love people fully. It's gotten my heart broken a good bit of times. That's just the nature of it. But even in my heartbreak, Lord showed up still even in that. I, you know, if you love big, any people who love big in the room, I'm just, maybe it's just me. No, okay, Caleb, thanks, man. It's me and you are the only people, I guess. But I just put my heart on my sleeve all the time. And then when it gets broken, I'm just like devastated for like a week or two until I get enough white chocolate mocha in me and then I recover. Um, but the, the Lord meets me even in the broken places too. I remember I was just so brokenhearted over this person I was dating a long time ago. It was like back when I was like 17, 18. And I remember thinking, Lord, what the heck? Like, what is this? And he's like, yeah, it's not anger. It's brokenheartedness. This is the same way. When people reject me, I'm not angry with them. I'm brokenhearted about it. And I started realizing, man, you're not angry with the people who are blaspheming your name. You're not angry with the people who are, who are against you and doing crazy things. Your heart's broken for them prodigal son. Is the father angry that he's gone? No, he's brokenhearted that his son's not home. And it just marks you. It's these encounters. It's not just picking a random characteristic. Jesus had long hair, so I'm going to have long hair in the name of Jesus. You know, it's not just doing that. Jesus had a dope beard. Isaiah's like, I'm growing my beard out now. Like it's, it's not just picking random characteristics of Jesus and trying to make that who you are. You're just going to be a cheap knockoff if you do that. What you need to do is you need to have a revelation of who Jesus is. 
It's these sweet moments alone with the Lord when you're praying, when you're worshiping, maybe in the middle of service, where God says, this is who I am. Pay attention to that. And then let that mark you. And then be like that. I try to be loving. I try to, you know, I, I'm calling her out. I think Christina has a great revelation of God as a friend. If anybody know who Christina is, Christina right there, I don't think there's anybody in the room who's more of a friend to everybody <laughs> than probably Christina. And I think she has this revelation of who God is as a friend. And so it, tra- it flows out of her life. We, we prophesied over uh, Isaiah a few weeks ago, but man, creative, just creative. We, you see it on him. It's just on him, but I have no doubt he has view of God who's creative. He's the creator, and it flows out of Isaiah's life like a floodgate. I mean, it's all over him. And you, you get these moments, and what's so beautiful is the revelation I catch of Jesus may not be the exact one you catch of Jesus, but that's what being the body of Christ looks like. Different members, same body, functioning beautifully. I should sit down more. I feel like I'm doing better sitting. Is anybody feeling that? It's like, maybe I'm just too jittery, so I need to sit. Do you do that, right? It's a thing. It's a thing. Oh, my gosh. I got to stand up to get to my notes. That's so good. Who Jesus is to you is who he wants to be through you. That is point number five, if I didn't say it, because who knows where I'm at. Let's circle back to Jesus brought them to the gates of hell. You know, I said, I just love how Jesus shows off. I need to sit back there. It's too good over here. I love how Jesus shows off, right? He brings them to the gates of hell and says, hey, the gates of hell won't touch what we're about to do. Peter, let's go. I love that. But let's, let's do, for example, what do you think of when I say the cross? Anybody, takers, shout it at me. What you got? Torture device. Okay, right off the bat. Anybody, hope, 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 life, forgiveness, the goodness of God. Anybody? Crucifixion, resurrection power. Okay, well, you ruined my analogy, Mr. Noah over there. For the win, honestly. Okay, he's right. It was a torture device, guys. It was a gruesome, one of the most feared torture devices in all of history. It's, it's ridiculous if you think about it. They beat you with 39 lashes of a whip. If you don't know, 40 is what will kill you. Glass shards, te- ripped skin out, rips chunks of you who you are. Jesus had the thorn of crowns shoved into his head. They put you on a cross and they tack it through your wrists and then through your ankles. And so all of your weight is being supported by either your ankles or your wrists you choose. And you slowly, slowly, slowly suffocate on your own blood. This is the cross, right? It's gruesome. It's disgusting. It's actually kind of sad if you think about it. But but when Jesus crawled up on it, it turned into a symbol of hope and life and forgiveness. That's what Jesus does. He can look and he can come into the roughest of situations, the gates of hell, and declare power. He can get up on the worst torture device in the history of mankind and make it a symbol of life and hope. The same goes for your life. What's the worst area you think your life is? Like, what's the worst area? Don't say it. Don't say it. I'm not listening. But Jesus makes beautiful things. Our last point for the night, if you're you're taking notes here, is Jesus makes beautiful things. If you have a situation in your life that you think is, is unredeemable, unfixable, broken beyond repair, devastatingly horrible, you should talk to Jesus about it. It's what he does. 
it's who he is. He has a, a history of doing this. Beauty for ashes, joy for mourning, garland of praise for spirit of heaviness, healing for the broken, hope for the hopeless, rest for the restless, wholeness for those who are brokenhearted. That sounds so good for me. Forgiveness for shame, peace for burden. He has a business of exchange. He takes what's broken and, and not beautiful and he makes it beautiful. He did it with Peter and he'll do it with you too. Peter denied Jesus three times, we know that, but Jesus also restored Peter back on the beach. It was really interesting. I, I was making my notes for this and I never realized this before, but I thought Jesus called Peter by his name. Peter, right? Peter. Peter means rock in the original language. Petra means stone, rock. Later in Acts, he was called Cephas, which means stone. Petra means rock. Rock's firm. That's his calling. You're called to be a Peter. But when, but when Peter denied Jesus, he went back to living like a Simon, if you don't know, Simon means weed, blown in the wind, reed, blown in the wind, here and there, and oh, just, it was just not strong, feeble, weak. And Jesus comes up to Peter on the, on the beach and says, hey, do you love me, Simon? Yeah, I love you. Okay, feed my sheep. Hey, Simon Barjona, do you love me? And he asks this same question three times, and all three times, Peter answers him and says, hey, yeah, I love you. Okay, feed my sheep, but I love you. Is it cruel for Jesus to call him Simon when he called him to be Peter? No. Is it because Peter made a mistake? Yeah, okay, yeah, he denied Jesus three times, but Jesus meets you where you're at. Jesus wasn't saying you're no longer Peter because you denied me three times. You're back to being Simon. Go back to fishing for fish. He just met him where he was at. I'm feeling like a Simon today. I'm feeling like a screw up today. But Jesus is like, that's okay. I'll meet you right there. And let's, let's go back to being Peter. Let's go back to being the person I've called you to be. You're not rejected. And we're circling back to that point. You're not rejected. Even in your biggest moments of doubt, your biggest screw-ups in life, whatever you have going on, the, the, the ugliness of the cross, he, he makes it beautiful and he restores you back. Kimberly, you can come on up if you want. He, he makes it beautiful. And so what I want to do, we're going to close it here. This train, it's just been crazy. I mean, it's not a train wreck. It's a roller coaster of up and down and all over the Bible about Peter. I'm going to fine-tune it. We're going to come back again for another session here. Um, but I just want to pray for you specifically. So go, go ahead, close your eyes. I want, to, I want to pray a couple things. One specifically is that you're not rejected. I think the enemy is so crafty at using people when they're broken and when they're hurt. And I just want to declare that just because you're hurt doesn't mean it's, it's over. Just because you're in a place of struggle doesn't mean it's over. Keep your faith in the game. Keep going. Keep fighting. And, and I'm just going to pray that, one, we'd have a revelation of who Jesus is so that we can know who he wants to be through us. But, two, there would just be radical healing to take place tonight. That where we've had broken hearts, that God would restore those. Where we feel despair and hopelessness, Jesus would bring hope. He's going to meet you in your place of need right now tonight. So Lord, we just thank you 
first and foremost, that what you've did on the cross for us is still true and still applies today. So we ask you, God, that you would reveal yourself to us right now. Meet us in this space, Lord, and reveal who you are, Jesus. Show us your love. Show us your kindness. Show us your, your, your amazing power and your healing and your, your generosity. Jesus, show us who you are that we might represent you on the earth. God, I pray for every person who's faint of heart, who wants to give in and give out. God, I pray that you would fan the flame of their heart once again, Jesus, that you would awaken them to your calling, awaken them to your purposes, that you would open their eyes to see, that, that, to see you present in their situation, present in their life, God, and that we would be a people who represent you well on the earth. God, that we'd be a people, because we know who you are, we'd shape the world around us. We'd shake the world around us. And we just thank you, Jesus, that you make beautiful things. You make beautiful things. Jesus, we love you. We hope you've been inspired by this word. To help awaken your faith on a regular basis, subscribe now so you can be alerted when we have a new message. Thank you so much for listening.